Today's sermon text is Revelation 5, 1 through 14. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamp standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the white hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might ever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is God's word. Well, amen. I think we can just kind of go ahead and have a closing prayer right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's the way scripture is meant to be read publicly. So thank you so much. A happy new year. It is so good to be back. Uh, uh, last Sunday uh, didn't seem like a regular Sunday because we weren't with our church. Uh, and so I'm so glad that we can be back with our church family uh, this first Sunday of the new year. I am looking forward to the opportunity to preach this message because I'm preaching it to me as well as for my church family this morning. Uh, so this, uh, as we move into it, perhaps we'll see, you'll see why I need to preach this, this message particularly to me. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I was kind of glad to leave 2017 behind. 
I'm glad for 2018 being here. Uh, 2017, for many people, was just a tough year. Uh, culturally and politically, we know that there was a lot of tension in our country, right? So it was, it was tough in that kind of larger uh, cultural scene. And then for some of us, uh, 2017 was a tough year personally. You may have faced relationship difficulties, financial challenges, uh, health concerns. Uh, for Nancy and me, there were two really startling health issues that came up that, that we had no idea about a year ago that we would face in 2017. In February, Nancy fell and broke her ankle in two places and was in a long, long period of recovery. And about the time she recovered from that, I became ill and was finally diagnosed in October with an unusual form of leukemia and was told that I have to have uh, chemotherapy. Many of you know that already. And I will simply say that the best thing that happened to us in 2017 was the Lord brought us to an awesome church family that is supporting us, praying for us, loving on us. I even have a pastor that comes and sees me when I'm in the hospital, and I am so grateful for the love and support that this this church is uh, extending uh, to us uh, in this time. As you may imagine, uh, for me personally, 2018 is filled with some questions. Uh, I don't really know. I think there's a lot of ifs out there about my own particular health journey. And so I'll just say, I'm going to put this behind uh, for the sermon's sake here, but just say that tomorrow morning at this time, I should probably be in a chemotherapy chair at West Cancer Center and be receiving chemotherapy. So I've got lots of things going on, and uh, it's just, uh, it, it's it's going to be a year in which I need to know that the Lord's got it. And so the message this morning is from a text that essentially says the Lord's got it. Do you know that it's not just our personal challenges that around the world, there are followers of Jesus that are facing persecution and suffering and difficulty, and and we want to be aware of that. And so wherever you are today, as we face a brand new calendar year, uh, you, you may be in a place where you've got a lot of fear and worry about what this this year will bring. Uh, you may be asking, does does the Lord really care about my future? Is He really does He really have it? How should we, as as God's people, react when things are uncertain? What about when the journey is unclear that we face? Well, in many ways, these kind of questions are like what the very first readers of the book of Revelation had. For them, there was persecution and suffering just because they were followers of Jesus. Uh, Recently, in their own time, the government had turned hostile. The Roman Empire was now persecuting followers of Jesus officially. The emperor at that time, a fellow by the name of Domitian, figured out that it would be good if he could be called Lord and God. 
And he asked people, he asked, he had as a kind of citizenship requirement that people bow to him as Lord and God. Well, guess what? The Christians could not do that. So they were suffering. Book of Revelation talks about a lot of martyrs, actually. In the middle of this kind of trouble, the exalted Lord appeared to the last surviving original disciple of Jesus, John. Y'all remember the fisherman John that began following Jesus from the Sea of Galilee? It was now probably 60 or so years later. And John was the last one left alive. He'd lived to see Christianity spread. He'd lived to see the suffering begin to happen. And now the risen Lord, the exalted Jesus, appeared to him in a way that he'd never seen Jesus before. Now, he'd followed Jesus in his incarnate form as Jesus walked on earth, but the Lord appeared to him in a way that he'd never seen Jesus before. And the Lord gave John this wonderful message of hope, the book of Revelation. Now, I don't know about you. Some some people think of Revelation as the scariest book of the Bible, but I think of it as the most hopeful book of the Bible because in the end, Followers of Jesus are on the winning side. And that's what we need to know as we walk into this year. So let me walk through just really quickly the book of Revelation as we lead into chapter 5. Now we're going to focus on Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. But in in chapter 1 of Revelation, the risen Christ appears to John uh, in a glorious form And the Lord is walking among the lampstands, the text says. There are seven lampstands, and the lampstands stand for the seven churches that Jesus is going to send some little letters to in the next few chapters. And I love it that the first picture of Jesus in Revelation is that he's walking among his churches. I am so glad to know that Jesus is walking among his churches today. He's walking among, he's there. He is with his people in every local congregation. And then in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus writes a letter or sends a letter, tells John to write down a letter to each of these seven little congregations. They're wonderful wonderful little short letters that have uh, application value for all of us. But the thing I want to mention for us today is that the Lord begins every letter by saying, I know, I know, I know all about you. The Lord knows all about Renewal Church. He knows about our past. He knows about our future. And although the message is to the congregations, I think I want to take a lot of comfort rather than fear in saying the Lord knows me. I know, the Lord says, I know. So chapters 2 and 3, the little letters, and then, oh, in chapter 4, John gets a vision of God on his heavenly throne. He is sovereign. He is holy. There's that awesome picture of the, uh, the, the winged creatures crying, holy, holy, holy. And then in chapter 5, the scene broadens out just a little bit. And John gets a vision of the lamb, and the lamb 
takes a scroll from the hand of God. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. Now, just a a couple of thoughts before we dive into uh, verse 6. But first of all, in the text, as you heard the entire chapter, John heard about a lion, but he saw a lamb. That's really interesting, I think. He heard about a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, but what he actually saw was a lamb. And that's a little bit of a reminder to me that our Lord is fierce as a lion. When you read the rest of the book of Revelation, we'll see the Lord is fierce, he is just, and he's going to return and set things right where there have been all the wrongs. He is the lion, but in this text that we'll look at, he's the lamb. He's gentle as a lamb, the lamb who died so that his people could be redeemed. So John heard about a lion, but he saw a lamb. I think that's really just kind of an interesting little thought there. And then a little word about a scroll. Now, y'all, for us, um, scrolling is what we do with our phones, right? We we use our fingers. Uh, That's what scrolling is to us. But you probably know that, uh, y'all, this is the best I could do with a with, with a scroll image today, um, but uh, a, a scroll was a long rolled up sheet of handmade paper that was written by hand. You know, in, in, in the first century, the only kind of writing there was was, was by hand, and, uh, uh, and, and uh, papyrus paper was handmade, and uh, the, the paper was about that tall, and they could glue the sheets together so that they would be about... Uh, 12 feet long, and then they would be rolled up, uh, rolled up. We've probably seen pictures of that uh, uh, before the invention of the book form that we're so so used to. Now, what's really interesting in this uh, accounting of the scroll is that the way the paper was made, there was one smooth surface that was good for writing, and usually the backside was kind of rough. You couldn't you couldn't write on it. But John saw this scroll; it had writing on the front side and the back side which indicates to me that it had a lot of details in it. It had a lot of details in it. And then a scroll that was going to be sent somewhere would be sealed up with a wax seal. Now, I didn't have any wax seals, so I used my paper seals today. But the sealing was to secure the contents, to keep them private until the appropriate person could read them. So when John sees in the right-hand of God on his throne, he sees in God's right hand a scroll that is written inside and outside. It's sealed up with seven seals, meaning nobody can open it. can't be opened up. It's a strong seal. So it's detailed. Most Bible teachers think that this scroll represents all the detailed future that's laid out in the rest of the book of Revelation. But I want to suggest that there's an application for us today, and I want us to think of the scroll that Jesus is going to take as we'll look at the text as the scroll of our future, our personal future, the future that you have and that I have, that our church has for 2018. So I want you to look first of all at what John says and he records about the mighty lamb. Verse 6 again, verse 6, the mighty lamb. John writes this, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, 
I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. I want you to say the heading there with with me, would you? The mighty lamb. All right, y'all, I'm a teacher. That was weak. All right, uh, try it again. Together, the mighty lamb. All right, that was about an A minus. One more time. All right, that's great. That's terrific. Look at how mighty the Lamb of God is that John describes there. I want you to see his place. What's the place of the Lamb? He's there right at the throne of God. Do you know that our Lord Jesus Christ is right there at the center of heaven's glory, heaven's sovereignty? He's right there at the throne of God. I want you to see also not only his place, but I want you to see his power that is symbolized. Now, in the book of Revelation, there is a lot of symbolism. And here in this description of Jesus as the lamb, there's some clearly symbolic elements because it's described, he's described as having seven horns. But what did horns symbolize in the ancient world? And maybe for you guys that are hunters today, why do you go after the horned beasts? Why do you go after the deer with the multiple points? Because horns symbolize power and strength, don't they? They're the males. They're the, they're the strong ones. And in the Old Testament, particularly, horns on an animal symbolize power and strength. So if you think about it, from a Bible point of view, the number seven often stands for completion or perfection. So what will seven horns symbolize? Perfect strength, perfect power. So although the symbolism, if if you try and make it literal, it gets a little weird here, seven horns, but think about it as representing perfect power and perfect strength. So his place is there at the throne of God, his power, perfection, and then I want you to see his, his perception, what he sees. Not only are there seven horns, there's what? Seven eyes. And again, you got to take it as symbolic if eyes represent that we can see. What would seven eyes suggest? That he sees everything. He knows. He knows everything. Uh, that's a little bit like what I thought my mama had. I thought she had eyes in the back of her head. <laughs> did any of y'all have mamas like that? I did. <laughs> uh, seven eyes. Uh, seven eyes. Uh, perfect perception. Uh, now, this lamb is actually unnamed. I've been assuming that we all figured it out. It's the Lord Jesus, isn't it? He's actually unnamed in the entire chapter. Uh, but, but we know who this lamb is. So one more time, I want you to read the heading with me. The mighty lamb. Excellent. All right, good. Now, let's move from the mighty lamb to the next idea. And I want you to skip down into verse 9. And we're going to look at the mighty lamb who redeemed you. Let me read verse 9. This is part of the song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And I'm so glad that in the worship singing that we've done already today, we've been singing about Christ's blood for us. But here we see the mighty lamb who redeemed you. Can you say that much with me? The mighty lamb who redeemed you. I want you to see 
the redemption of the, that the lamb provided. First of all, do you see there that the text says that he was slain? He gave 100%. He gave everything that he had. Heaven's richest gift came to earth and sacrificed himself. 100%. None of us has yet given 100%. He gave 100%. And that's who the mighty lamb is for us. The mighty lamb, he was slain. And then what was the result of his sacrifice? His service was that he ransomed people for God. That's what the text says. He ransomed people for God. That's what the effect of his death was. Now, ransom is a word that we know mainly in terms of a kidnapping victim, right? So somebody's kidnapped, they're, 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 they're made captive, and a price is paid for them to be set free. That's actually pretty similar to the way the term ransom was used uh, back in the day, uh, but it applied particularly to those that were in some kind of slavery. As we may know, there, was, there were a lot of slaves in the Roman Empire, and there was a mechanism by which a slave could be ransomed by a price being paid. They could be set free, but it happened only extremely rarely. There were very, very few slaves that were ever set free. Here, how wonderful it is for us to realize by one sacrifice, how many people have been set free? All of God's people. All of God's people. One price, the ransom has been paid. The other term that's similar that I've used in the heading there is redeem. But again, redemption suggests the idea of being bought out of slavery, doesn't it? We were enslaved to sin. We couldn't pay the price for our own freedom. And by the lamb's death, you and I were redeemed. And not only were we redeemed, but there's an awesome preview here. Actually, perhaps a statement of what was already reality but of of, of the saints of the Lamb. Do you see it there? From every tribe and language and people and nation. I love it. I love it that our church here reflects some of that diversity. Uh, From from every tribe, every language. Uh, Y'all, I hope I get to say y'all in heaven. I don't don't know. (laughs) I don't know if Southern English will be acceptable or not. But I do know... I do know that there's going to be folks in heaven that speak Chinese and African dialects and Indian dialects and the curse of Babel will be undone. You know that God scattered the peoples by making multiple languages and ultimately all of those multiple languages are going to be praising the lamb in heaven. Isn't that going to be awesome? Isn't that going to be great? Great. So the mighty lamb who redeemed you... Can we say that much again together? The mighty lamb who redeemed you. You guys are with it. That's great. All right. So the mighty lamb who redeemed you. Now look at verses 7 and 10 with me. Verses 7 and 10. Verse 7, he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And then verse 10, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So the mighty lamb who redeemed you 
holds your future secure. He's got the scroll in his hands, my friends, my brothers and sisters. Again, will you join me in saying this much of the message? By the way, can you see we're building? It's, it's kind of a cascade message, isn't it? One point's leading to the other. All right. The mighty lamb who redeemed you holds your future secure. Who's got the scroll here? Jesus, the lamb. He's got it. Nobody else has got it. And I need to hear that as, as I've shared with you. Some of the challenges, Jesus, he's got it. And whatever our church is facing in 2018, whatever you're facing, whatever your children are facing, it's right in the right hand of the Lamb of God. And your future is absolutely uh, secure. Uh, Ultimately, in the book of Revelation, uh, he is going to open the seals one by one by one. And you read the book of Revelation, you'll see that he'll break the seals and something will happen and another seal will be broken and finally the entire scroll is going to be open. Jesus has got the scroll of your life. He's got it. Nobody can tell what it's going to be except the Lord. And he'll unfold it at the right time. And I find that just hugely encouraging for me on this first Sunday of the year. I want to know that. So again, he holds the future secure. Now, who is it that the Lamb has the future of here? In verse 10, uh, there's a marvelous description that in some ways, uh, I don't recognize us and us. I don't recognize exactly what's being said here because I haven't yet fully grasped exactly what it is. But he describes us as a kingdom already. Now, Jesus brought a message of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is coming. But do you see this is a past tense statement? You have made them a kingdom. So, y'all, we are part of the kingdom or we are a kingdom. We are under the reign, the rule of King Jesus, and we are already in that kingdom. We are already that kingdom, he says, under the rule of Jesus. We're the kingdom. And then there's something else that, again, it's a little bit outside my normal church experience. We are priests. We are here today as a company of priests. Now, again, if you think about it, priests in Bible times were those that uh, offered service to God for others. They offered the lambs in sacrifice at the temple. And so I think the point is that we are those that have the opportunity to offer others up to God in prayer. We are a kingdom. That's awesome. We're also priests And that's a great responsibility that we have. Finally, we are those who will reign on the earth. Uh, It doesn't happen yet, does it? We're not yet reigning on the earth. Last headlines I saw, God's people are not reigning on the earth yet. But do you know, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, thy kingdom come, don't we? And I look forward to the time. I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know exactly what it means that all of God's people are going to reign on the earth. 
maybe one of y'all will be the, the, the president of Memphis uh, one of these ultimate years. Uh, I, I don't know, but that's a wonderful promise. We will be sub-rulers under the great ruler, right? So that is a, a future that goes beyond anything we can comprehend now. There are three things there. Do you see it? For God's people, a kingdom and priests and reign. And again, I want this to be encouraging for us. So can you say the whole thing with me now? Again, together, the mighty lamb who redeemed you holds your future secure. So, so, where do we go? One more. Let's get the whole thing up there. I want you to see it in verses 8 and 9. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song. And the so is, so praise him. So praise his name. If all of these first three thoughts are true, then there's only one legitimate response, praise and worship. So can we get the whole thing? I promise this is it, all right? So four lines, all right? You're doing great. Together, the mighty lamb who redeemed you holds your future secure, so praise his name. Hallelujah. All right, that's good. That's good. Okay. Now, how is the lamb praised here in the text that we have in front of us? Well, first of all, he is praised by submitting to him, submitting to his plan. Do you see that all of the heavenly court falls down before him? And there is an appropriate place in our praise and worship to fall down before the Lord's presence. Now, sometimes we do that symbolically in our hearts, and sometimes we're just led to prostrate ourselves in the Lord's presence. So the first aspect of praise that I see in this text is submitting to him. Now, the second aspect that I see here is we praise him through our prayers, through our prayers the heavenly court here have golden bowls full of incense, it is said, which are the prayers of the saints. And again, this is a little bit outside my normal church context to think about golden bowls full of incense. I know in some liturgical traditions, they have incense in the, in, in the ceremony. But here, following after Jewish tradition, there was incense burning and it symbolizes prayers going upward. Did you know that the prayers that we pray here today make an impact on the throne of God? If that text is true, then when we pray as God's people, it's like incense rising up to the very throne of God. The prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. So maybe one challenge for us is to become a praying people. And realize our prayers have a direct impact on heaven. And then third, I want us to see 
that there is praise not only through submitting and praying, but by singing, singing to him, singing to him. Uh, all of this uh, choir that, uh, that John sees, uh, the text says each was holding a harp. Now, let me give you a real paraphrase of that. It was a four-string handheld instrument. So can I just translate it as guitar? All right. I think Jeremy might like that. Uh, uh, a bass, uh, the four-string bass. All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I'm thinking that what John saw there was, was, was a praise band, each with, their, each with their stringed instrument. Okay? And, and furthermore... Uh, they were singing a new song. Uh, and um, uh, as long as I've been around here, we've been around here since July, I, I, I've been exposed to a lot of new songs around here, Jeremy. <laughs> and I'm glad there are new songs. And I think part of heaven is going to be, there's just going to be new songs all the time. Now, when you get beyond verse 10, you'll see that the, 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 the camera, as it were, pulls back and there's a bigger and a bigger and a bigger choir so finally the singing becomes the choir of a hundred million people i'm thinking they probably had to sing some old songs then (laughs) Uh, I, i love the old songs i love the old hymns i love the gospel songs i love singing the psalms but i love the new songs as well and as as i thought about that that number of myriads of myriads as we heard ten thousand times ten thousand uh Y'all, many of us tomorrow night are, are going to be watching a game with a whole lot of thousands of people in a big old bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. No comment about who's going to win. <laughs> but simply to say, we need to multiply that by about 50 in order to get a sense of the number of people praising the Lord Jesus there. And by faith, I believe it's so. I believe it's so. So, will you say it with me one more time, and then let's wrap it up. The mighty Lamb who redeemed you holds your future secure, so praise His name. One more time. All right. Now you've said it. So what are you going to do about it? How will you respond? So the challenge then is, how will you? How will I respond in 2018 to this truth? If this passage is true, how will you respond? If you're already a follower of the Lamb, if you already have embraced that he ransomed you, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to praise his name? Is is there some way in which in this year you're going to take a challenge to praise him in a more awesome, more wonderful way? What are you going to do about it? I'm going to give us a time to pause and reflect and think about it here in just a minute. And maybe you're here today and you're not yet a follower of the Lamb. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to this awesome heavenly scene of realizing that there is a mighty Lamb who redeemed you? And he's simply waiting for you to respond to him. Will you respond to him? Maybe 2018 is the year in which you'll come to follow him. So would you bow with me? I want us to reflect together. And then I'm going to invite Jeremy to come up and lead us as we close.
Lord Jesus, you are the mighty lamb who redeemed us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this reminder from your word that you hold our future secure. So, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here, we want to praise you this year more than we ever have. We want to trust you more than we ever have. And I ask now as we move from this place that we would worship you truly as the Lamb of God. In his name we pray. Amen.